Joshua 5 this morning. I'm excited about delivering the word of God with you, uh, to you today. Joshua 5, uh, verse number 1 through 9 today. Uh, in the way of a fast, I meant to make this uh, thought, throw this thought out there. Some of you were there last week, but there are some dairy, dairy products that we can't eat on this fast. Uh, so keep that in mind, milk, egg, and cheese, not fried eggs, but boiled eggs if, uh, for your protein, things of that nature. If you'd like to partake in that, um, you can. But let's get in the word of God. Amen. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. The Bible says, so it was, and we're rolling, taping. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Now, I'm not preaching about this today, but let me just pause parenthetically and tell you something. The devil is more afraid of you than you are of him. If you ever, ever learn scripture, you ever get your doctrine right, you ever get spirit filled, you ever walk in faith, walk not by sight, but by faith. It's important to note, according to this verse we just read, that the enemy's heart is melting. And what he does not want us to do is to tap into our potential in God. For if we tap in that potential, we would give him more than a run for his money. He would be a defeated foe in our life. Verse 2 says, though, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise. Everybody say cut the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel uh, at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt were males. All the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. So the people in Moses' regime had died. So these are those people's children that Joshua is now leading into the promised land. And uh, the Bible says... Um, they, 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 they had to die. Now, if you jump down to verse number five, for all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed. Why were they consumed, church? Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Everybody shout, please obey God. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them, that he would not show them the land which uh, the, Lord, uh, the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Pause at verse number six. These folks were not able to go into prosperity. They were not able to go into the promised land because they disobeyed God, period. Bottom line. They didn't do what God told them to do. God says, I can't give you what I had promised you. Is there anybody in here, you want everything God has for you? You don't want to miss one thing. These people messed up. Verse 7, so Joshua circumcised, everybody shout cut, the sons who were raised up in their place. The Joshua generation was circumcised. So they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people 
that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. They stayed there how long? Till they were healed. I want to talk about Promised Land Part 7. And the Lord gave me this word to share with you on the first Sunday of the year. Very appropriate word for appropriate word for this time of year, for this day, for this hour. I want to talk today from the thought, the cutting away. The cutting away. Joshua in our text has been given the assignment to get flint knives and cut back the flesh of the children of Israel. Again, because this was the generation after the Moses generation uh, who had been born in the wilderness. So Joshua now had to go through those Israel rituals and circumcise these guys as is appropriate. Now, uh, we'll keep this tasteful, but we all know post-Calvary, we do not have to circumcise ourselves in alignment with Israel and Jewish laws. Amen? Amen. Some obviously do those things for cleanliness, but that's not the focal point of this message. The point of the message is during their times and during their culture and during their ritual, in order for them to be clean, they had to be circumcised. And I'll stop parenthetically right there. In order for you to be clean and ready for the promised land and for what God wants to get to you in this year, in this season, you have got to be cut. Got to be cut. Some of us have already been cut up to this point. But God gave me clarity on what's happening. Even as a church, uh, we have to embrace the cutting. You got to understand, and I told you this two, three months ago. I told you some of you would go in, some of you wouldn't. And you ought to make up in your mind today that I will be one of the ones that makes the cut. In fact, go ahead, be call and response. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm making the cut. You got to make up in your mind with God, I'm not going to be one of those people that get stuck on stuff that's ungodly. I'm not going to get off in the sin. I'm not going back to traditions. Amen. I'm not changing my mind and disposition. I'm going to make the cut. So Joshua had to circumcise these guys with uh, flint knives so that they, by God's law, were appropriate in entering into their new day. So, Pastor, what does cutting represent for the New Testament church? Somebody shout the New Testament church. For us, the cutting away represents discipleship or to be disciplined. It represents discipleship or to be disciplined. And there are three ways for a Christian to be cut or to be discipled. The first way you can be cut is the best way to be cut, and that is you can cut yourself. <laughs> now, I'm not telling anybody to go cut their wrists <laughs> or the neck or anything for that nature. But you can cut yourself. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul says, I die daily. Which means he, not only two reasons, two meanings to that, he looked death in the eye daily because he was a hard preaching apostle, but he also died in his flesh every single day. Every day you wake up, you got to say to yourself, what is it, God, today that I'm supposed to die to, John Dewey? What attitude am I supposed to cut away? Melvin, uh, Saria is such an appropriate teaching during the fast because while you're fasting, your spiritual sensitivity goes up. You become more aware of where the flesh is out of balance, how the flesh is out of whack, what parts of me need to be cut away. And when you figure those parts out, it's best for you to cut yourself instead of waiting for somebody else to do it. The first way you can be cut is to cut yourself. 
1 Corinthians 15, 31. Second way, though, you can be cut is through a senior Christian slash a pastor. Every good pastor, every good shepherd cuts his people. A pastor cuts his people when he preaches a message by which most of your responses are ouch instead of amen. That's the cutting. My God, you know Pastor Gabe by now. You know I don't have a hateful heart. Fun, loving, happy guy. But during the preaching hour, it's my time to cut you. For if you didn't talk to your husband the right way coming out of the house today, you know, and you came to church with the wrong attitude, you need to be cut. You need to have a word to remind you to get back in line. My God, this week, if you were in defiled beds, you don't think you need to be cut? You think you you need to be inspired just because it's the first Sunday of the year? And I blame my colleagues for messing many of us up. Because many of you, even in making a transition, you came from toxic ministries. To where they told you all you need to do is know who you are, empowerment, empowerment, empowerment. But they never dealt with the cutting away when they saw you come to church with three different women in one month. That's the cutting. And God will use your man of God or he'll use the fellow discipleship people or the women of God in the women's group. He'll use them to deliver words, to cut you, to share with you. Pastor Gabe, show me that in scripture. Where'd you get that from? Go with me to Acts 16. Acts 16. And when we're cut, we got to be susceptible to it. Acts 16, verse 1 through 5. Look at uh, Timothy joining Paul and Silas. But before Paul sent Timothy on his ministry mission, Paul knew that Timothy's dad was a Greek. So Paul had to cut him in order for the people to receive him. Your man of God, your apostle, knows more about your upcoming future than you think. And if you're going to be used for the master, it's really, really important, whoever you are sitting under, to allow them the room and space to develop you. Everybody shout, develop me. Look at how Paul developed Timothy. Acts 16, 1, the Bible says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Now, Timothy was a future pastor. But he wasn't a pastor yet. He's the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So now his heritage was Jews, but in order for him to relate better to these people who he was going to be ministering to, Paul says, I become all things to all people that by any means necessary, I might win a few. So God, Paul understood that even though we were in the New Testament church, culturally, I got to shape you, mold you, and make you so that when it's your turn and your time, you'll be able to minister to the people and they will receive what you have to offer. He says to them, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3, Paul wanted him to go with him and he took him and did what? circumcise him he cut him because of the Jews who were in that region for they all knew that his father was a Greek what happened verse 5 the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in numbers daily prosperity came because Timothy was open to be cut the people would not have received this great Timothy who we refer to so often in the book of Timothy. They would not have wanted to hear anything he had to say because they were stuck on their Jewish traditions. 
but because Paul, uh, Timothy rather, uh, allowed his pastor, because he allowed Paul to cut him, it made Timothy better for his upcoming assignment. Am I teaching okay in the introduction? The third place where you get cut is God himself cuts you. Now, God's going to cut you from time to time anyway. But a word to the wise, it's better for you to cut yourself before God cuts you. I mean, sometimes God sends us through trials to cut us anyway because we got to go through. He's making us better. He's strengthening our faith. But like in those carnal things, in the things of the flesh, pastor, give me an example. Don't wait for God to tell you or, or to do something devastating to you for you to understand that you don't need to be watching certain kinds of films. God doesn't have to do something devastating to you for you to understand that you need to love your wife better. You know, I'll never forget a married couple I counseled, and I've told this story before. They were probably almost 60 years old, Caucasian couple. Man, they argued. We were on, like, session number 10, and, and, and it's my style in counseling. If we get to 10 sessions and you demonstrated absolutely no growth, I know that I need to cut you loose or I need to refer you. Because something I'm doing is not working or something you're doing is not working. And it's not therapeutically appropriate for me to keep you. Something's not working. So I was just getting ready to cut them loose. And they came to their session that day. And they were so lovey-dovey and happy. I mean, they were on fire with each other. Holding each other's arms. I said, and I'll use pseudo names, not their real names. But what's going on with Bill and Jan today? Went down to the waiting room to get them. I said, y'all, come on up. You look mighty happy. Oh, we're good. Sit down on the couch. We sit down on the couch, begin the dialogue, and they just said, we want to thank you for everything you've done. We finally realized the things you were trying to teach us, the therapeutic processes you were taking us through, and we appreciate everything. You know, but, and we're done here. We, we think we're finished. We think we can really do this thing now. But then I had to say to them, because I wasn't as crazy enough to think that they had just gotten good that fast over the last seven days since I saw them. So I asked them, I said, what was it that made y'all come around so quick? They said, well, Dr. Gabe, you, you got to understand, just this past week, uh, the, 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 the results from uh, Bill's biopsy came in, and we realized now he's got six months to live. So we decided we won't waste these last six months bickering. God had to put a growth on you for you to get that? Perhaps the strife is what grew the growth. You know, God got to put me through a storm in order to cut me. Even when you hear solid preaching, but you don't go and apply what you've been taught, God holds you responsible for what you have now been taught. Just in case you go back out into the world or you go back to some crazy church to where they just tickle your ears and they don't make you better, God holds you responsible and then crisis comes. And now you got to deal with crisis because you've gotten out of the will of God and God's got to put it on you. He's got to spank you because you wouldn't stay in the will of God. Everybody shout, cut me before God cuts me. Look at John chapter 15. I like these kind of teachings. Don't make it be in the new year that you got to go through to change something. Listen, me and Stephanie have made up in our mind that every test or trial we experience, we're going to experience it only because it's a God-ordained trial, not because of something we did to bring it on ourselves. I'm not buying anything I can't afford. Amen. 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 I'm not looking at any woman that I shouldn't be looking at. Amen. 
How many know those things start off sweet, but they end ugly? Praise the Lord. Not doing things, not hanging out where I know it's carnal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you, you, there, there are certain things in this new day that you ought to just be done with. Finish with. You're over it. Done. Ain't messing with it. I'm through with it, Anthony. You move to another place in the spirit of God. You're in a different disposition with God, and you're just ready to grow in the things of God. Everybody say, God cut me. Look at John chapter 15. Because when you go through certain things, it is God doing the cutting away. And that's not just because you've done something wrong. The third thing, God himself cuts you. Put this in your notes. Crucial to the healthy growth of any living thing is the need to cut it. Miss um, Deacon Frank and, 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 and uh, his lovely wife, they, they, they grow things. I've watched them do it. They've even done it at the kingdom house. I've watched them do it at their house, Miss Carolyn. And... They cut those plants at certain times during the year. And if you ask them, why would you cut that plant down so low? They'll tell you, it's going to come back. But if I don't cut the dead leaves off, it'll infect everything else. And see, as you start this new year off, you ought to say in your mind, God, go ahead and cut me so I can grow to better things. Go ahead and get me right so I can be made better in general. So I don't miss you. Look at John 15 and 2. Facts start at verse number one. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Watch this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Paul's right there. If you're not bearing fruit in the kingdom, God's going to cut you. You better hear me this morning. It ain't up to Pastor Gabe. It ain't up to no other pastor or bishop out there. I don't care what they tell you. If you're not bearing fruit in the kingdom, God's going to cut you. You got to determine in your mind if you're going to make the cut. All these athletes in the room, Brother Melvin will tell you uh, that everybody went out for the team, but only about 14 men made the team. Everybody won't make that cut. And who are the people who don't make the cut, Tracy? The people who do not bear fruit. God is not leaving folk in position just to hold a spot. If we're in position and we're not bearing fruit in our spot, God's got to cause us to get up and give that spot to somebody who's going to bear fruit. This is why we ought to be about our father's business every day of our life. Because I don't know about you, I don't want God to replace me. He says every fruit that does, that does not bear fruit, every branch rather, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, though, somebody shout, that's me. He still cuts. He prunes that it may do what, Sekou? Bear more fruit. I only cut you so you could be better. I didn't cut you so that you could bleed to death. You know, didn't deal with you, disciple you so that you could, like, just get mad or get down and out or quit on the things of God. This is God talking this morning. I didn't cut you so that you could leave everything godly and go back to your sins. I pruned you so that you could do what? Bear more fruit. Everybody shout, I want to bear more fruit. The Bible says, verse number 7, if you abide in me, my word abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. In order to get the things that you desire, in order to move even into faith, you have got to allow God to cut you. I want you to go with me over to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews. Everybody shout Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. This is a good introduction. Stay with me now. And you may say today, this is for the new Christian. No, it's not. This is for the seasoned vet. 
I'm talking to some of you who've been saved 25 years. I ain't just talking to the young lady who needs to stop having sex. I'm talking to some of us in here. You're, you're, you're in line for your pruning right now. Praise the Lord. This is a season of pruning. Comically speaking, uh, this, this, is, this is a Sunday for pruning. My goodness, how good would cornbread be today? For the sake of the tape, we're on a 21-day fast. Cornbread with some butter running through it and down it. I was fixing some frozen pizza for my kids this past week. I had a weak moment. I got real close to that pizza and said, I wanted to see if the scent could kind of get to my taste buds, but it didn't work. Right? Your body, even during a 21-day fast, is being cut. It's crying out for some carbohydrates. It's crying out for some stuff. I told you you can do dairies and stuff, but limit it. Don't fill yourself up with a bunch of sweet yogurt. Limit it. Cut yourself. You know, pray. Anytime you get the itch to eat, pray. That's what I do. When I start getting a little faint, I say, Lord, I thank you right now for our building. In the name of Jesus, it's done. I will not go down there and have an M&M. Amen. Amen. But God himself, what does he do? He cuts us, Antoine. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 8. The Bible says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Listen to how God talks to his sons. This is the discipline of God for his sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Why shouldn't I be discouraged, God? For whom the Lord loves. Everybody shout, God loves me. He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. God only cut me because he loved me. But everybody shout, don't stop at the cutting. Verse number seven. If you endure chastening. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there with whom a father does not chasten? Anybody in here, you ain't never spanked your son? Never? Never. You got a special child. I don't know one father who got a son in particular who hadn't had to lighten him up. Every time. But it's done out of love. But if you endure the chastening, you're a son. But, verse number 8, if you are without chastening, that's for the apostate church to where the only message you hear is blessings, blessings, blessings and no discipleship. If you are without cutting away, if you are without spankings, keep reading, of which all have become partakers, then you are an illegitimate and not sons. I don't know about you in here, but I don't want to be an illegitimate. I don't want to be one of those people that's hanging around thinking I'm going to heaven only to wake up and be before the white throne of, of judgment. I don't want to be one of those people in here that think all this church I did, I set up all this equipment, I did this, I sold CDs, my God, I visited the sick, I went to the dove's nest, I went down to the men's shelter, I served, 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 but to stand before Jesus and for him to say to me, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you because my private life didn't line up with my public life, because I didn't let God cut me, because every time I heard the truth, I ran the other way. He whom the Lord loves 
He chastens. So what are the three ways you can be cut? Everybody shout, cut yourself. Number two, everybody shout, listen to pastor. Number three, everybody said, let God cut you. So all of the cutting, though, is motivated by love. It should never be done to exert power. That's the wrong kind of cutting. I've seen some preachers get up and rebuke their musicians for playing too loud. But they won't rebuke them for being a homosexual. They mad because he in the wrong key, but they ain't mad because he in the wrong bodies after church. I've seen that happen. I mean, you're rebuking them for that? I've seen people rebuke folk because they won't tithe, but won't rebuke them because they won't stop sleeping with somebody who ain't their husband. Because after all, it's the money that counts. We just need good income on Sunday. I hope some of my pastor brothers get this CD. It's all about the change. That's, that's all we do it for. Somebody shout, the devil is a liar. And I'm not mad at you this morning. I'm going to teach so compassionately. But let me tell you something. If one day the Lord blesses you to become a tither that tithes now, tithes $5,000 a week. Now, you know you're making money. You tithing $5,000. But if you're tithing $5,000 a week, but all of a sudden, the gospel message is no longer uh, appealing to you. Keep the $5,000. Did you hear me? I'd rather you be tithing $150 and on fire for Jesus than to be tithing $5,500 and living an apostate lifestyle. The Church of Jesus Christ, Basha, is not motivated by money. We're not motivated by numbers. I thank God for growth, but we're not motivated by those things. We are motivated when people actually get better. Oh, what a great reward. You bless us, Stephanie and I, so good at the end of the year, at pastor's anniversary. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so grateful for how y'all treated us. But man, when I look at some of these married couples in this room who are like halfway or like uh, 80% way on their way to divorce, but all of a sudden you came, heard the gospel, got a little discipleship, you're back on track with Jesus. My God, what better payment than that? Your kids got both their parents in the home? Not leaving out my single brothers and sisters. You finally got your act right, and now all of a sudden, you're on your way to marriage? Not going to call out names. I see some of them in the room today. My God. You know, I think about some of the guys who are no longer at the church anymore, who the Lord promoted them. You know, Brother RJ, for example, some of you knew him and some of you didn't. He plays for the Miami Dolphins now, but he got his start, his start here with the Carolina Panthers. He used to come to church. He got saved one night at the Kingdom House. That brother got born again for real. When he got saved, he happened to have been shacking with his girlfriend. That week later, he and his girlfriend moved out from one another. Both of them got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. A few months later, we did their wedding in the park. A few months after that, he got blessed with a great contract to play for the Miami Dolphins. The Lord blessed his socks off. He's on fire for Jesus, preaching everywhere he goes. But his money didn't motivate me. 
Man, if his money motivated me, I wouldn't have preached against his sin that night. Now, he's one of my favorite disciples. Talk to him frequently. Why am I using these examples? Because you really can get better. I don't want to fuss at you today. You really can kick the habit. You really can come up to another level. Everybody shout, salvation works. So you got to let God cut you, man, or you're going to be an illegitimate child. You got to understand that even when it came down to Ishmael and, and, and Isaac, God never acknowledged Ishmael. When he told Abraham, he said, go up to the mountain, take thou your only son. He disregarded Ishmael. Why didn't he acknowledge Ishmael? Because I didn't bless you with Ishmael. Ishmael came from Hagar. I blessed you with Isaac. Everybody shout, I want the real blessing, not what I made up. Did you get that down in your spirit? I don't want something that I created. I want, I want what God gave me. God knows what house he gave you, and then he knows the house you gave yourself. The house he gave you, you can pay the mortgage. But the house you go out and get, thanks be unto God, you got to miss services to pay. You need time and a half. And in the holiday season, you need double time. I'm not being funny. I'm telling you, just to make ends meet, y'all. The devil does that to us. Vain preaching, vain preaching will make you go buy a car you know good and well you should have left on the car lot. Just to look good. Armor Bears, what did we drive to the engagement yesterday? Praise the Lord. 2000 and what? One. We all rode together. Ford Expedition. 250,000 miles later. And I parked it right next to the pastor's nice car in the spot he held for me, too. What are you saying, Pastor Gabe? Who are you keeping up with? Why? Because they got a BMW, you got to have one this year? I'm going to get one one day just because I want to. Somebody shout, that's his business. <laughs> I just wanted to throw you all that curveball just in case you thought I was going to be broke for you. No! <laughs> Don't let all this frugal preaching fool you. <laughs> I'm frugal because I want to be. Mm -mm. I drive whatever I want to drive when I get ready to drive it. I want to drive a Ford Expedition. That's why I drive it. Praise the Lord. And I value what God has given me. And every dollar you own belongs to him. But why are you teaching this, Pastor Gabe? It's so practical. This year, let God be your guide in all things. Don't do anything in the flesh. Let him cut you away. Like if you decide you're going to spend something or you're going to date someone or you're going to do this or that, this is the year where you acknowledge him in all your ways and let him direct your path. God, should I go out with him? No, I know that ain't no. Don't go out with him. All right. God said, leave him alone. I know I've been waiting six years for a boyfriend, but God said that ain't it. 
She's pretty. Should I date her? She looks really, really good. She's very, very beautiful. How many of you know tarnished trophies look real bad? They start off nice and clean. But when God hadn't ordained it, when God hadn't assigned it, and you're in year five of that marriage, baby, because you got impulsive? You know, pastor called for Super C, and the first thing you hear, there he, from your wife, there he go asking you for more money. She ain't spirit-filled. Man, before you marry a woman just because she's pretty, get you one who looks like Godzilla's baby. But has the Holy Ghost. She'll pray you through when you get sick. She'll walk, she'll never leave you for God's sake because she'll be safe with everybody else. I mean, before you do it that way, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Don't compromise the constant for the variable. The variable is the beauty. And get somebody beautiful. I'm just teasing you. Don't marry Godzilla's baby. But get somebody beautiful. As long as she's pretty you, that's what counts. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder is what they tell me. So go ahead and marry whoever you want. I didn't call anybody ugly. If you took offense to that, then you need to check your soul. I didn't call you Godzilla's baby. But my point is, find you somebody spirit-filled. Somebody who got the Holy Ghost. I thank God a thousand times over for Stephanie Denise Rogers. Are you kidding me? Had I married the wrong lady? Good God from on high. You talk about up the creek without a paddle. Don't do it. That's a word for somebody in this room. I don't know who it's for. So what is God saying today, this morning? He's saying that we should allow him to cut us away. But now I want to introduce you to this new stuff. I don't want to bore you. Everybody say, preach, preacher. The major cutting way that I want to deal with today is that of cutting away ungodly soul ties. If you're going to be efficient in this new year, everything that's trying to come with you in 2014 that should stay in 2013 must die. Look at this with me. What is an ungodly soul tie? An emotional, physical, or spiritual connection to someone that God has not ordained or condoned you to be connected to. I'll say it again. An emotional, physical, or spiritual connection to someone, I will even say to something. Everybody shout people, places, and things. To someone that God has not ordained or condoned you to be connected to. If God didn't authorize it and you're still connected to it, it's an ungodly soul tie. You can be connected to a mission that God never told you to connect to. That's an ungodly soul tie. Some of us, we do stuff just to be busy. And I always say to people, well, did God tell you to do that? Or did you do it because you thought it was a good idea? You can have an ungodly soul tie to that. What are some examples, pastor, of ungodly soul ties? Girlfriends, obvious ones. Boyfriends, obvious ones. Associates, family members. Uh Uh-oh, here's a good one. Old churches. See, as you cross over to KCC, you can't bring what you used to do at uh, ODD to KCC. Or BOP at KCC. 
of WOA to KCC. This KCC, not BCC. You follow me? And you got to disconnect yourself from some of those cultural nuances, albeit some of them may have been good, but here they just don't do it that way. Not everything you came from was bad, but some of them may have been good, but you're in a new day now. Maybe God wants to teach you a new season now, teach you a new skill now, take you to a greater place now than when you were back then. And for God's sake, for the crazy churches, you definitely got to cut that stuff off. I mean, the stuff to where you know good and well it wasn't right, but you just overlooked it because, after all, it was the apostle who did it. You got to leave that stuff in Egypt because those are hindering spirits that desire to clamp his hand to you and go with you into your new day. Those are just examples. What do ungodly soul ties do to believers? Put it in your notes. They stunt your growth. And ultimately cause you to miss your potential in God. They stunt your growth and cause you to miss your potential in God. I don't mean this distastefully because I know we may even have some de- members who developmentally <clears throat> are delayed. So I'm not saying it to, to be a hit on anybody. But you know, uh, deep in your heart, if you see a, a 35-year-old male, uh, but he is still doing childlike things. You say, here lies a man who is 35 in body. But in his character or personality, he's probably only eight or ten. And when you have ungodly soul ties, these things stunt your ability to grow. When you hear me preach against some of your favorite preachers of the past because they've done something wicked, but you get offended, that's an ungodly soul tie. If I tell you that Noel Jones said that uh, a man was not meant to be monogamous, on his reality TV show, and I tell you how wicked that was, just because you like the message he preached some years ago called, I got to get myself together, doesn't mean you should stay connected to him now. When I tell you stuff like Jake's talks about how uh, Jonathan and David's relationship borderline that of homosexuality, no gospel preacher would ever say that. We don't even play with the term homosexuality. You've never seen me joke around with that term. Because with that wicked spirit, you got to keep your foot on its neck all the time. But just because you enjoyed watching him uh, on Oprah's Life series, which you shouldn't be watching anyway, if you hear that kind of preaching and you're taken aback by it, that's an example of an ungodly soul tie. If one day Pastor Gabe decides he wants to leave God and you go to Pastor X down the street and you should and Pastor X teaches against pastors who have now become apostate and he calls Pastor Gabe out. Don't you sit up in there talking about that's my old pastor. Don't talk about him like that. What you say is amen. Yep, he lost his way. Yup, Pastor Gabe used to be on fire for the Lord. I don't know what happened to him. He lost his way. But look at somebody telling me it won't happen. I'm going to make you a promise, and I make the city of Charlotte a promise on TV. If you ever want to find the gospel message, come here. For I'll never cease to preach it. 
Whether I'm preaching at home, some of you, the good saints, and oh, it was good to see my own church yesterday. You saw, in effect, you saw an example of the apostate church. Are you kidding me? If what I gave some of those folk tomatoes, they would have thrown it at me. And I'm not sorry for saying it. Gospel preaching has gone out of style. And what I'm telling you at KCC is center your mind in this new year. Let God cut you away from those wicked soul ties. Why is this so important for African Americans? Because, y'all, we are soul driven by nature. If it feels good, we do it. If it sounds good, we participate. We are not readers and researchers. I know this is true because if you want to sell a newspaper, don't put it in the black neighborhood. We don't buy them. We don't read. Revelation says, blessed is the man that reads. We don't read. This is why during the marriage amendment, you had black people marching against it who hadn't even read the law. I mean, some of them, I saw it happen. You said to them, did you read what it said? This happened at Upper Room. They asked the lady, did you read the law? Did you read what it said? She said, hold on a second. Put her sign down. She read it. She said, oh, that ain't right. Went back and got in the car and left. Now you know that's foolishness. <laughs> Woman was just marching because her friends were marching. They going to hell and you're going to go with them. Is that not a true story, Vicky? It really happened, y'all. So don't become so soul-driven. Like, I'm not hooping today. Are you kidding me? What am I hoop about? You need to be cut away. You need to let God renew your flesh. Not today. Some days is right. Not today. Don't go to sleep. I'm right. <laughs> I can tell the temperature's going down, but I'm not going to hush. So let's look at the most extreme uh, example of a soul tie. Come with me to 1 Corinthians 6. God, I got to pick up speed. 1 Corinthians 6. I want you to see the most extreme example of a soul tie if I got my facts right. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for what? Sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Every other sin is a bad sin. But the sin of sexual morality is not only bad because you sin against God, but it's bad because you sin against your own body. You've heard religiously people say that there are no levels in sin. That's not true. John talked about sins that's unto death. You will not go to hell because you speed. You should not speed, but speeding has never sent anyone to hell. You will not go to hell because you looked at someone the wrong way. You will go to hell for lying, for sex, for drinking. All right, Paul lists all those in Corinthians. We don't have time to go there. But I do want you to see something. He says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Verse number 15, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Then he says, certainly not. Watch this. This is the soul tie. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. 
but he who has joined the Lord is one spirit with him. Where is the soul tie? When you have premarital sex with a man or a woman, doesn't matter what your sex is, you join your flesh, your soul to that individual, and it becomes a clamp in the spirit realm. So now this is how you are walking around all day long, having engaged with everybody that you were once with. It has you bound. Pornography is engaging because Jesus says, even when you look at a woman as to lust, you've already committed adultery, soul tie. So here's what happens when you get a soul tie. I want to paint the picture. Deke, will you follow me? The first person you're with is now clamped to you. Soul tie. Next person you with, come on, Antoine, is now clamped to you. Soul tie. Now you've had two partners you shouldn't have been with. Third person you're with, clamped to you. But wait a minute, there's no room for them, right? So now they get real close in your spirit. Clamp to you. God, God, God. I'm walking around. Is there a third person? Sylvester, you got a baby. Rhonda, come on up. Pastor Glenn, come on up. Help me with this teaching today. You got all these people that you've been with, that you had no business being with, and they are clamped to you. Clamped to you. Clamped to you. Before you know it, you have the weight of sin. And you can't even find me in the rut. I can't hear preaching because they have smothered my ears. I can't see truth because they have smothered my eyes. But the Holy Ghost and the anointing gives me power to break the soul tie. And it's not just sex. Thank you, family. Some of us do that with family members. You're still listening to grandma just because she's old. And grandma don't go but to one service a year. And that's Easter time at the Baptist church to see the Easter cantata. And she'll never, ever go to church. But you listen to her just because she's old. And when the Bible tells us to regard the elders, it's talking about the sanctified elders. You can get all these people down in your soul to where hearing God becomes impossible. Oh, I'm preaching right this morning. You wonder why you have inordinate affections in your flesh? Because the devil has made it that way. Listen, sex between a man and woman was supposed to be just that, one woman and one man. Did you know that we weren't even supposed to lose our virginity till we got married? That's why most of us had to be delivered before we got married. Just so we can get back on straight street. You think it's just a feeling, but it's the devil's tactic of getting you caught up in a place to where you no longer know what's right or wrong. Watch this. You can go down so far in the ocean. Did you know this? This is a literal fact. If you went in the Atlantic Ocean, in the middle of the ocean at its deepest point, and you went down so far, you can go down so many thousand feet to where the oceanographers say at a certain point, you don't know which way to swim. You don't know which way is up and which way is down. And you can be swimming really, really hard, but ultimately be swimming down to the abyss because you've gone down so deep, you wouldn't let anybody throw you a lifeline and bring you back up. You went down so deep, and you've missed God so long. But I've come with good news today. The Holy Spirit, by the power of preaching, is sending you a lifeline. He's sending you a life raft. He's giving you one more opportunity to get it right. I wonder if I got 10 people in here that's thankful that you got an opportunity to break every soul tie. The psalmist says he breaks every fetter.
that can stand up against the power of God. Don't you tell me homosexuality is too strong to be broken. You put that man in a gospel preaching church around some strong men. He will get right. He will walk right. He will get married. You tell me that young lady who used to be a prostitute can't get right? Get her in a gospel preaching church around some seasoned women that can pour into her. Tell her how to pull her skirt down. Tell her how to sit down right. Tell her how to do certain things. Look at her in two years. But because of flesh preaching and flesh teaching, because I need more of your money, because I want more seats full on Sunday morning, I'd rather meet my quota than help you. But I come to tell you, you found a pastor that wants to help you. I got 10 minutes, and I'm going to help you. Look at this with me. There are three ways to break ungodly soul ties. Three ways to break ungodly soul ties. Number one, admit that the individual is not good for you. Individual or individuals are not good for you. Everybody shout, don't make excuses. Come with me to 2 Samuel 23. I don't have time to tell you this whole story, and I'm not taking it out of context. One day I'll preach from the whole story. But David sent his men to get him some water from Bethlehem. By the time those men came back, David would not drink what was back in Bethlehem. Because the guys went through too much to get it, but it also represented something else. Everybody shout, you got to pour out your past. 2 Samuel 23, verse 15 through 17. The Bible says, and David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. I'll give you a chance to get there. I love the turning of pages. He says, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Watch this. You are going to long for that soul tie for a season. David was longing for that water. Oh, that I could just hear his voice one more time. You go back and listen to old voicemails of when he left you a message. Oh, that I could just hear his voice. Oh, that I could smell her perfume. The devil will mess with you so bad in your flesh, baby, that the perfume the girl used to use that you dated, when you walk through Belk's department store and smell her scent, it'll bring you back. You just start thinking about her. David had this experience. He said that I could have some of that water. So three mighty men, his armor bearers, broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. They went through great extremes to get this water. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. If you're going to be delivered and free in 2014, great message for the first Sunday, you got to pour out everything unto the Lord. I'm not drinking that stuff from Bethlehem. I'm pouring it out. I'm not drinking one more call from that guy that's no good for me. I'm pouring it out. I'm not drinking bad spending habits this year. I'm pouring it out. Everything that's not like God, I'm not drinking disgrace and strife with my wife. I'm pouring it out. Don't go back to the past and don't make excuses of it. Don't go to the revival from your old church. So you can feel this one more time. 
When you know at the bottom of your heart God delivered you from some of that stuff, don't go back to traditionalism. Everybody shout, pour it out. Number two, if you're going to break ungodly soul ties and my time is fleeting, you have to realize that the cutting will hurt. Come with me to Mark chapter 9. The cutting will hurt. And, and while you're going there, don't make excuses. Don't put a name on it. I told the people at the church yesterday, you know, you didn't have an indiscretion. You had an affair. You know? Or you, had, you got in adultery. Those of you who've been delivered from that in this church, don't you, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to somebody who I'm getting free. Don't put new names on it. You don't live in an alternative lifestyle. You're a homosexual. Don't, it's what we call in psychology nomenclature, the naming system, to change the name of something. They started changing names of stuff even in the new diagnostic manual. They took homosexuality out back in the 70s, changed the names of it, and painted it up, and, 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 and it gave people new ways of, of looking at it. Now we call it gender identity disorder. You got no gender identity disorder. You are a homosexual. And don't put new names on it. My wife tried to put a new name on our, our blanket yesterday. She said, dear, will you get the comforter out of the dryer? I said, it's not the comforter. The comforter lives inside of me. <laughs> it's a blanket. But I'll get it out of the dryer for you. How many of you know don't nobody get Jesus' name? Come on, somebody. Come on. Don't say amen to that, y'all. That's bad preaching. Mark chapter 9. But the cutting will hurt, Pastor Glenn. Mark chapter 9, verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now, Jesus already rebuked the spirit, but look at what the spirit did. Verse 26. Then the spirit cried out, and what did it do? Convulsed him, what? Greatly, and then it came out. You know what convulsions are? It hurt. That's a convulsion. When Jesus called that demon, for, oh God. If you've ever seen a demon cast out, I casted some out in my day. Oh, the person. Yeah, start the convulsion. You might see that one day in this search. Convulsion, convulsion. It hurts. You've even seen people throw some stuff up. Physically, there's a manifestation. That stuff hurts. And metaphorically speaking in your life, if you're going to be delivered, it might hurt. You might not be able to reconnect. It, no, you won't be able to reconnect. Deliverance hurts, but bondage is worse. Look at verse number 21 through 22. Because the spirit convulsed him greatly, but look at verse number 21. He asked the daddy something. So he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from his childhood, look at how your sin hurts. God, this must have been painful. He often, often he has thrown him, he being the demon, has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Being in bondage to sin hurts. You mean to tell me you got a demon throwing you in the fire? That fire was burning that boy's flesh up. When he threw him in the fire, he would throw him in the water to try to drown him, try to kill him. So deliverance will hurt you. I got to slow walk this. I only got four minutes. But bondage hurts worse. 
It hurts you when somebody cuts you and tells you stop doing this or stop doing that or tells you don't hang around with or don't do that or don't whatever. But for God's sake, if you keep doing it, it'll kill you. How many people would have still been healthy today if somebody would have cut them? How many people would have still had their physical health today? I mean, no HIV. Get real, Pastor Gabe. You might be in this church. Undoubtedly, there's someone here today who's suffering with that. I believe Jesus is still a healer. You leave here with hope. Praise the Lord. But how many infections could we stop if we started cutting? It's not an STI, sexually transmitted infection. See how they changed the name on it? You got an STI. No, it's a disease. Those things are diseases, those, those conditions that we get because we don't disciple people, because we don't love people enough to say, stop! The condition of divorce is painful. Do you know that when you became one flesh, that's exactly what the Bible means? So now just imagine cutting one of your arms off. That's what divorce does. You got to cut a piece of your flesh off. Makes you maimed, Right? So what if somebody would cut you and you start acting right with one another? The third and final point, I'm not going to yell at you today. I want to help you. And I want to help you every Sunday even when I'm yelling. But put this in the note under point number two. Some people, places, and things will leave a gap in your heart. When you've finally been delivered, it will leave a gap. But the final point is this, bullet number three. Understand that there will be a season of healing after the cutting. God's not going to cut you and leave you on the shelf. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. Man, I hope I did okay today. And I hope that the Holy Ghost did okay. It's not me, it's him. I hope you got what you needed. But don't don't close out on me yet. Give me these last two minutes. I want to take them. Joshua cut the people. He cut the people. Everybody shout, he really did cut them. But look at what happens in verse number 8. I want to see, show you two things that happened after God, Joshua cut the, cut the people. This goes back to our text. Because they were getting ready for what? The promised land, right? How many of you show of hands you still want to go into the promised land? They were getting ready for it. Look at verse number 8. The Bible says, So it was when they had finished circumcising, cutting all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. See that? Don't stop there. Verse number 9, after they allowed God to cut them, verse number 9 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. You know what the reproach of Egypt is? God says, This day you have literally come out of bondage. Not only bondage, but the reproach of Egypt is the penalties of Egypt. The botch, the itch, those things that were due you under the bondage of being an Egyptian, you no longer have to experience because you endured the cutting. You let me heal you. Now, the next go-round is the Battle of Jericho. Stand to your feet. I'm done. (laughs) Now you can go in the promise. You got to camp out at Gilgal for a few weeks.